0: Good morning, guys. You guys ready to grow and willing to change this morning? Some of you are. Let's try that again. Are you ready to grow and willing to change? All right. Awesome. You know, we, we, I've noticed this. We tend to resist change, but long for transformation. I mean, think about it. In this country and around the world, every year, We spend billions and billions of dollars on things that we hope are going to transform us. We go in for the makeover, you know, do something, I just can't do anything with this hair anymore. I do that all the time. I go into the barber and say that. He says, well, that's tough, buddy. We spend hundreds of dollars a year on fitness centers that we don't go to anymore. But we want to be transformed, right? We want to look like the lady or the man in the magazine, and so we go hoping if we just sit near the weights, somehow through osmosis, muscles will begin to grow in my body. We spend money on uh, plastic surgery sometimes. I saw a commercial just this week about you know the having the chin taken care of, and it made me want to sign up. It did, man. These people, you know, with the gobblers, and then it was gone, you know. It was amazing. Hundreds of thousands and hundreds of millions of dollars spent on stuff like that. Not to mention self-help books, books we run out and we buy, all in hopes that it's somehow going to transform our life. But here's what I found in my own life, and and I see this in the lives of other people, is that that rarely works, first of all. And so we tend to walk around through life in a continual state of disappointment. Because we're not what we desire to be. It's as if something's not quite right. And maybe we can't put our finger on it. Maybe we can't pinpoint the reason that we have that feeling. But we walk around, maybe it feels like a burden or anxiety or angst or whatever it is. But we, we feel like, wow, something's not right. It seems like there should be more. It seems like I should be different than I am right now. God desires to take that dissatisfaction that we all have from time to time, if not continually, and turn that into satisfaction. And significance. He wants to take the disappointment that we have in our inability to transform ourselves and make us into something new. At its essence, the Christian life is about change. It's about transformation. God desiring to do this work in us. Desiring to make us into something new. It's not that I walk around trying to do the right thing, but I become the right kind of person. It's not that I learn how to do things in a new way. it's I'm a new creature in Christ. There's a big difference in those things. God wants to transform us. He wants to make us new. That's what the Christian life is all about. I came across this Quote uh, from Gary Thomas, who wrote a book called The Beautiful Fight. He says this, The incarnational spirituality, in other words, a, a spiritual life lived out, does not exist to uphold a few rules, but rather speaks of a process that creates an entirely new person who sees with new eyes, feels with a new heart, hears with renewed ears, And lives with a new passion. It is, I believe, the only life worth living. I love that. I think he very well describes what the Christian life really is. But here's what happens so many times in Christianity. Because we don't have this real transformation taking place in our life, we substitute it for what we'll call pseudo-transformation this fake transformation, which is typically based upon external things. Maybe it's based upon something like uh, the way you dress or the length of your hair or how much money you give or how much time you spend reading your Bible. It can be based upon any number of things, but they're all external. And let me just say this. Jesus hated that. If there was anything That he had a problem with during his ministry here on earth. It was that. This pseudo transformation. That was all externally based. And nothing internal. You see him at constant conflict with a group of men. Called the Pharisees. And that was their deal. They were all external. Holier than thou. The spiritual elite of their time. But Jesus looks at them frequently and says you guys are hypocrites. And at one point he says, you're like a whited tomb. You're a white sepulcher. You're beautiful on the outside, but within your dead men's bones. You see, they were all about the external. And nothing was going on inside as far as transformation was concerned. And Jesus didn't want them to live there. And Jesus doesn't want you and I to live there either. He doesn't want us to substitute activities for true spiritual transformation. There was nothing wrong with most of the things that the Pharisees were doing. They were very strict adherence to the law. But they had replaced that adherence. They had, they had put it in the place of true, genuine, inward, transformation. God desires for you and I to live differently. He wants us to live a life that sees, feels, hears, does like Jesus did. A a phrase that, that I've recently come across that I absolutely love is, he became what we are so that we can become what he is. That's why Jesus came, He became man. He became what we are so that we might become what He is. It's this inward transformation, a change of character. God desires that. He wants us to get to that place in our walk with Him. Again, not so that we are trying to do the right thing, but we are the right kind of people. That's the type of change that Jesus Wants to bring into our life. Christianity isn't about, only about, what we believe or what we do. It's really about who we are. But we've, we've made it into what we believe. Oh, well, if you're a Christian, you believe this. Or if you're a Christian, you do this. But we've neglected the aspect, if you're a Christian, you are this. Because if we are the right kind of people, we're going to do the right things. We're going to believe the right types of things. That's the type of transformation that Jesus wants to do in our life. You know, Paul agonized over this type of change in his his ministry as he went around the Middle East starting churches and discipling people in the ways of Jesus. Jesus. He said this in Galatians four nineteen. He says, "My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you." They were believers. They had been what the Bible calls saved or born again. But he says, "There's something else that needs to occur in your life. This formation of Christ in you. This change of character." where you actually begin to become like Him. He says, I'm travailing over that. I desire that in your life. That needs to take place in your life. How do we get there, though? How does this happen for us? Let's look at a passage in Romans. Famous passage in Romans 2. It says this. Paul, again, writing. He says, And be not conformed to this world but be transformed. Now, you're living in one of two camps this morning. You're either conforming or you're transforming. You say, no, no, not me. I'm on the fence, man. No, no. You're either conforming or you're transforming. No, I'm right in the middle of the road. You know what happens when you play in the middle of the road, right? You eventually get hit by a car. And the same is true spiritually. You are are in one of two camps this morning. Conforming or transforming. Now conforming is living for or living like the things of the world. If your aim in life is all about worldly accumulation or worldly satisfaction or you're being conformed to go after the things that the world tells us is important, you are conforming to this world. But there's another camp, a camp that I believe Jesus wants us to live in, and that's the transformation camp. And that is desiring to be more like Jesus each and every day of your life. Jesus, or Paul here writing this, uses a Greek word. When he, that, that word that's translated in English, transformed, he uses a Greek word. It's metamorpho. It's, uh, that's where we get our English word, metamorphosis. is from this Greek word, metamorpho. And the, the image that he's conveying and, and that metamorphosis conveys is, is an absolute total transformation from one thing to another. And so the image that I want, you, I want you to have in your mind this morning is the image of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Because that's the metamorphosis that he's talking about. Laura went out this week and she, she went to the Plainsboro Preserve and she got me, uh, she got me a couple of cocoons. They just have them laying around up there, you know. So, ooh, that one's got a nasty old moth attached to it. Don't transform into a moth. Transform into a butterfly. Isn't it, isn't it these are cool. I don't know if you've ever watched or seen, maybe on a television program, watched a anything really go from one thing and become something else. But to watch a caterpillar become a butterfly, it really is an amazing thing. It's one of those things we just kind of pass by in life and go, oh, yeah, that's really neat. It's amazing. The transformation that takes place, and so that that little that little caterpillar, you know, is crawling around and he's eating everything. He's the hungry little caterpillar for those of you that are parents that have that book, and he's eating everything and he gets full and then he makes he makes the cocoon, builds it around himself, goes inside, and then this unbelievable metamorpho metamorphosis transformation begins to take place, and then weeks later. He emerges as a beautiful butterfly. He's been changed. He's been transformed. That's what God wants to have take place in our life. He wants us to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. He wants us to go through that metamorphosis in our life. But how how do we do that? I mean, when all you've ever been is a caterpillar, how do you become a butterfly? Seems a little daunting to me. How do we go about this process? Well, the last thing I'm going to do is sit here this morning and tell you, take these three steps and you'll become a butterfly. If you you see a book or someone comes to you and says, three easy steps to becoming like Jesus, don't buy it. And please run away from them. They are about to lie to you. There are not three easy steps to take to become like Jesus. Every one of our paths is different. To get to this place where we are genuinely changed and transformed, where we're like Jesus. But what I want to do this morning is share some General principles with you that will help you in this process. The first one is this, and and I just said it. It is a process. Becoming like Jesus Christ is not instantaneous. It is a process. And there are no shortcuts in the process. Now, I may discourage you and disappoint you, but that's just the way it is. There are no easy ways to become more like Jesus. We live in an instantaneous society, don't we? And it's becoming more and more like that each and every day. And, and I'm as I'm as hooked into that as the next person. I just just I had a birthday this week, and my wonderful wife got me a gift. She got me an eye touch, which is, you know, not only an eye, people are, oh yeah, I'll let you touch it later if you want. <laughs> <clears throat> But this thing is amazing. Not only does it have all my music on it, which is great enough, but it—you know—I can get on the internet. I can send emails. I can—I can play the toilet paper game. I can do all kinds of—you know—the important things in life. But we—I've got to be connected, right? I need that. I've got to—I wait till I get home to look on the computer. No, 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 no. I look right now because I want it now. What do you mean I have to wait for my popcorn? No, I want it in the microwave. Pop it today. I want it this moment. We want it our way right away. That's just the way we roll in this society. And because of that, when it comes to spiritual transformation, a lot of times we end up being frustrated because things aren't happening as quickly as we want them to. I am disappointed because I am not transforming at the pace at which I want to be transformed. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to be like Jesus now. That's the attitude that we carry with us through life. And because of that, we end up frustrated so often in our life. But what you have to understand is becoming like Jesus is a lifelong process. You can't read a book. And be like Jesus. You can't go through a series of discipleship lessons or through a discipleship class and be like Jesus. You can't read through the Bible one time and be like Jesus. It's a lifelong process. And because it's a lifelong process, so many times in our life, we don't necessarily observe the growth that's taking place in our life. We don't see it. Because we're around ourselves all the time. We don't notice it. It's like you're, if you're a parent or been a parent, it's like your kids. You don't necessarily notice that they're growing unless they go through a growth spurt like my daughter's been lately. It's like every other week I've got to buy her a pair of shoes or pants or something else because it's just happening so fast. But usually it's a little slower. It's a little more steady. And so we don't observe it. But when somebody hasn't seen them in a while, they go, Whoo, wow, what happened to you? You've really grown. That happens in our spiritual life, too. We're going along. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to stay connected. We're in fellowship with God. We feel like we're walking with Him, but we don't feel like we're growing necessarily. But we are. You are growing. And sometimes in life you have growth spurts, spiritually speaking, where God just takes you to another level pretty quickly. That happens as well in our spiritual life. Being transformed is a process. That's what we have to understand first and foremost. Let's keep reading in our verse. He says, Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's point number two. It's an inside job. This transformation that we're seeking, that we long for, that we want to have, it is an inside job. Job. Did you notice that he said, be transformed how? By the renewing of your, say it with me, mind. mind. It starts inside. It starts in our mind, in our spirit, in our heart. It is an inside job. It starts within and works its way out into how we do life. Can I give you a little formula? I don't think we have this on the screen, but this, this will save you. Hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in counseling. Okay? Have you ever get to the point where you've got to see a counselor? I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. This is the process. This is the formula that you need to understand. The way we think, our patterns of thought produce in us an attitude. The way I think about things results in a certain attitude that I carry with me. That attitude, in turn displays itself in actions, in the way that I act, in the way that I do life. And so many times, here's what we do. We look at our life and we're unhappy with certain actions in our life. I want to stop doing this or I want to start doing this. Some action that we want to change. And so we set out to change the action. We're in January, the New Year's resolutions are flying everywhere, and usually it's centered on an action. I want to change this action in my life. I want to start this action in my life. And so we focus our attention there, and a couple of weeks later, if not a few months later, where are we? Right back where we started from, disappointed with ourselves once again. Why? Well, we didn't go to the source of the problem. I've got to change my attitude about that action and... Ultimately, I've got to change the way that I think about that action. I've got to renew my mind. I've got to change this thought process that I have. So maybe you're sitting there and you think, well, does that mean that you know, I shouldn't change the way that I'm behaving until I change my mind and attitude about it? I'm not saying that at all. If you're doing something that you need to stop, by all means, stop. If you're not doing something that you should be doing, by all means, do it. But here's what I am saying. You'll never have lasting change in your life until you fix the way you think. You've got to go back to the source. And that takes time. Because the way we think about things has been formulated for years and years and years. Maybe we learned some of it from our parents. We learned certain patterns of thought from books that we read, from the education that we received. And so those thoughts over time developed and turned into attitudes which resulted in a particular action. And so knowing that those things are built over years and years and years, it's not reasonable to think that I'm going to change that necessarily overnight. But I've got to go back and correct those inaccurate ways of thinking about things. I've got to be renewed in the way that I think. It's a process. It takes time to reshape that. It starts inside. Third thing. This transformation is about submission. Ooh, a dirty S word, right? It's about submission. It's about me submitting my will to God's will. It's about me placing myself under Him. And let me say this. That is a daily decision. If not a moment-by-moment decision. Salvation is a moment-in-time decision. You either receive or you don't receive the free gift of salvation that God gives to you through Jesus Christ. That is a moment-in-time. But unfortunately, we've reduced Christianity to that. That decision, that moment in time decision. But Christianity is about so much more than that. That is a huge decision, if not life's most important decision. But Christianity is about life change. It's about transformation. And that happens over time. Starts on the inside and works its way out. And happens when I make moment by moment decisions to place my will beneath His will. Let me try and help us understand this a little bit better this morning. Let's back up. We, we just read Romans 12.2. Let's back up and read Romans 12.1. It says this. Paul, again, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice, first of all, he says, I beseech you. That word, it's not a word we use much anymore. At least I don't hear it often. Hey, may I beseech you? I don't hear that a lot. But it means to invite. He's saying, hey, let me invite you to this. It's not a command. He's not saying, you need to do this. He's saying, no, come here. Let me invite you into this. Because this is where you're going to find transformation. This is where you're going to ultimately find satisfaction. Is right here. So come in. And, and, and notice he says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is the daily decision, guys. It's laying your life down on the altar before God. But what a paradox. He says, I want you to give your life as a living sacrifice. What do you, what do you mean? I mean, that, those two things don't go together. Sacrifices are something that, that dies. But a living sacrifice? Yeah. It's when we die to self and begin living for Him. When we place His will above our will. When He is given the place of preeminence in our life. I think about Jesus in His life. Right at the end. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's got three of his disciples there. And he goes off and he's alone and he's praying to his father. And he's, he's getting, he knows what's coming. He knows he's about to give his life to be sacrificed. And he's praying to God and he's saying, God, if it's at all possible, let this cup, this cup of God's wrath that I'm about to endure, this crucifixion that I'm about to go through, let this cup pass from me. So he's earnestly asking God to take this thing. If there's any way, God, you can do it, please take this out of my life. But then he finishes that prayer. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Now think about that. Think about what he's about to endure. And the physical pain aside, that was bad enough, but the spiritual things that were going on at that time, we could probably never fully comprehend. And so he's saying, God, if you can find it, if there's another way, Take it away. But if not, I am so submitted to this plan that you have. And I am so submitted to your will. Whatever comes, I know it's in the best interest. You are in control. I'm submitting my will to you. Wow. I can tell by the look on your faces. You're going, man, that's extreme. That is out there. That's not what Paul thought. Did you notice how he finished verse 2? Look at the last two words. This is your reasonable service. What? 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 Reasonable? That's pretty extreme, I think, Paul. Where do you get reasonable? I think it comes from a couple of ways. One, it's reasonable in light of what Jesus did for you. We lose sight of that oftentimes. Gave it all for you. Died in your place. Endured what you were rightfully due to endure. We lose sight of that. But when we have that in our eyes, in our minds, when we focus on that, we think, wow, you know, me living for him, that's pretty reasonable. That's one way I think it's reasonable. The second way is because. Guys, this is where the abundant life is found. Jesus says, I came to give them life and that they might have it more abundantly. You want the abundant life? You want a life that's significant, that matters, that's changed, that's transformed, that's amazing? This is where it's found. And so, while we look at it and we think, oh, that's going to hinder me. That may cause me Discomfort. I might not like that. We think submission, oh, well, that's not giving me the freedom that I want. But what we don't understand is that that is where we're truly free. When we're in submission to His will, doing what He wants us to do. And so, it's, it's reasonable. Here's our final thing. This transformation It's active, not passive. It's active. It's not passive. Obviously, God plays a huge role in us being changed, in our transformation. Just like he does in the caterpillar. I mean, that caterpillar gets inside that cocoon. Stuff starts to happen, and you can try and explain it simply in natural terms, but wow, I mean, how does all that take place? God plays a huge role in the transformation in nature, but he also plays a huge role in our transformation as well. We can't do it without him. But that doesn't lessen our responsibility either. We can't sit idly by, okay, God, here I am, change me. It doesn't work that way. It's active. It's not passive. We have to be doing things that contribute, that enable God to change us, to transform us. The little caterpillar has a job to do. I mean, he's got to eat as much as he can. He's got to build the cocoon as best he can. He's got to get inside and close everything off. He has responsibility if he just says, Ah, you know what? That cocoon thing's overrated. I'm just going to stay out here. And, you know, God wants me to be a butterfly. He'll make me into a butterfly outside. I don't need the cocoon. I don't need to eat. I'm not hungry. He's going to die. Or he's going to get squished. One of the two. He comes across me, he's going to get squished. You know? Sorry. (laughs) He has a part to play in this. So do we. We have to be doing the things that God asked us to do. We have a role to play. We have things that God desires for us that He asked us to do. That if we don't do, we'll never be changed. We'll never become the person that God desires for us to be, the person that He wants us to be. Last spring, I was um, I was out on the patio at our house with the kids and <clears throat> came across this butterfly that had just emerged from the cocoon. And it it, it was the most beautiful butterfly I've ever seen. I, really. I mean, it was gorgeous. And the kids, I called them over and said, Hey, look at this. And they, they sat there literally for well over an hour, not even messing with, the, not messing with the butterfly, but just watching it, almost captivated by the beauty of this thing that had just kind of been reborn. And as I thought about that, knowing that all that it had to go through to get to that point, I thought, I want my life to be like that. I want my life to be mesmerizing. So that when I come in contact with people, they look at me and they go, wow. Not because I'm anything special, but because God is special. I want to be like that butterfly. But how do I get there? How, how do I get to the... Because all I've ever been is a caterpillar. How do I get to the point where I'm that butterfly for God? That I'm changed. I'm transformed. So that my life is bringing maximum glory to God. How do I get there? Certainly, thinking about and understanding the four things that we've talked about this morning helps. Knowing that it's a process. I need to be submitting to Him. That it needs to start inside. And that I need to be doing some things in my life to make this happen. Those things help. But how, how do we get there practically? The one thing that I could say to you this morning. Is if you want to truly be changed. And you want something to do. To help that process. It's simply this. Take your next step. Take your next step. Today's my uh, little buddy Luke Meyer's birthday. He's one year old today. I love Luke, man. He's cool. And I love being around him right now because he's just learning to walk, which is great. You know, he's not quite there, but he's getting there. Starting to take those, and it's not always pretty. (laughs) He he oftentimes has little bruises on his forehead where he took a header into a coffee table or a chair or on the floor. There's a little fear there. He doesn't want to quite let go of the chair or whatever he's hanging on to to take that step. Coax him as his parents may. He doesn't. He's a little little fear, a little trepidation that he doesn't want to take that step. It's a little scary, new territory. But the thing about Luke and about any kid is that I have no doubt in a very short time he's going to be out running around with the rest of the kids. He'll be chasing big brothers and sisters all over the parking lot. He'll be running around the house driving his mom nuts. But he'll never get there if he doesn't keep trying to take that next step. If he just said, you know, I'm just going to sit here, you know, it's good. Mom will bring me a bottle or feed me or, you know, throw some food in front of me or, you know, they change me, they feed me. Life's good. I'll just sit here. (laughs) He's never, never going to get to the point in his life where he's running free. If he doesn't take that next little step that's in front of him right now. And the same is true of us. We're never going to get to the point where we become like Jesus. Where we're the butterfly. Unless we're willing to take that next little step that's right in front of us. If you're not ready to run spiritually, God won't ask you to run. But what he will ask you to do is take that next step. What is that thing that's right in front of you? That's the key to our transformation. And your next step is different from mine. It's different from the person next to you. Maybe your next step is salvation. Maybe you've never entered that relationship with Jesus. You've never said yes to his invitation to be saved. That's your next step. Maybe your next step is like Natalie's was in the video. It's It's to be obedient and follow Jesus in baptism. You've been putting it off. You come up with excuse after excuse after excuse and reason why it's not important and why you don't want to do it. And you keep putting it off and your life just feels like it's going nowhere. Your spiritual life anyway. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is is beginning to spend more time connected with God through reading a scripture or in prayer and meditation. Maybe the hustle and bustle of life has kind of pulled you away from that and you need to break free from those chains, the busyness of life and say, you know what, I need to make God my priority. I need to connect with Him. Maybe that's you. Maybe you find yourself this morning in the grips of materialism where you've gotten sucked into the confirmation of life where you're conforming to what the world says is important. Got to have this, got to have that. A hoarding mentality. And so maybe, maybe your next step is to become more generous and to give. Maybe it's to connect in a small group. Maybe your next step is to get involved. To use the gifts that God has placed in your life to minister for His honor and glory. Listen, we got plenty to do. We just need people that would say, yeah, I'll help. Maybe your next step is sharing your faith more regularly. I don't know. I don't know where you are, but I do know this. Wherever you are, God desires for you to take the next step. Take that step. And through that, let God transform you. Our challenge this morning is what I've just been saying. As we leave here this morning, here's what I'm I'm challenging you to do. Take your next step. Whatever it is, wherever you find yourself in your walk with God this morning, and, and most of you, as I'm saying this, you know what it is. There's something God's been bugging you about that you've put off, that you've, you've explained away, you've tried to avoid it. This morning is the morning to face it. You're like Luke, you're hanging on to the chair Oh, it's a little scary to take that next step. Yeah, I hear you. It is. It is. But if we ever hope to be who God desires for us to be, we've got to take that next step. Whatever it is. Now listen, 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 listen. This is important because I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying. The next step isn't the transformation. You've got to understand that. The next step isn't the transformation. That's When that happens, when we have that mentality, that's when we fall into that trap of pseudo-transformation. If I'm doing something, I'm changed. Don't misunderstand me. But taking that step enables God to change you inside. You say, I'm letting go of the chair, God. This is scary, but I'm going to trust you. I'm taking the step. I'm stepping out on faith. I'm opening my heart to what you desire for me to do. I'm placing my will beneath your will. Then the change starts to happen. Activity doesn't guarantee change. But taking that step begins to cause us to open ourselves to Him and allow Him to change us. So, this morning, that's our challenge. Every single person in this room has a challenge. What is your next step? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for this morning and I pray this morning that you're doing a work in this room. Lord, we come here desiring to be more like you, desiring for you to do a work in us. Lord, we want you to receive honor and glory by how we do life and um, so so often we are disappointed. and and how that comes off. And this morning, we want to just give ourselves to you. We want to uh, submit our will to your will. We want to have a renewed mind. We want to do those things that are necessary for you to be able to work in our life. Father, I pray this morning that you uh, are at work in every heart, Lord. You're laying things upon each heart this morning, something that they need to do. They know what it is most likely, but if not, Lord, just place it in there now or this week. Lord, be at work and, and, and show us what it is. What is our next step? Father, we, we want to give you honor and glory in advance for the work that you're going to do. Father, I pray all of this in the, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're willing to accept that challenge this morning and take your next step, maybe you know what it is. I'm, I'm confident most people know what that step is because they've probably been wrestling with it for a while. If you're responding to the challenge this morning, say, I'm going to take that next step, would you take the Connect card that's in your bulletin, peel that off, and just... I don't, I don't even need to know what it is. But I I would like to know, if you're responding to that challenge and you're going to try and take that next step, fill that out and you can drop that in the box on the way out. Maybe you don't know what it is, but you're going to give yourself to prayer this week asking God to show you what it is that He desires for you to do, what your next step is. Again, take that card and fill it out and drop it in the box. There is nothing, there's no greater testimony for the truth of Christianity, than a transformed life. None. God desires for us to be changed. I, I came across this quote from Kierkegaard. He said this, I love this. Now, with God's help, I shall become myself. Isn't that good? Now, with God's help, I shall become myself. That's it. With God's help, we shall become ourselves. We shall become who God intended for us to be. It's time for us to embrace the process of transformation. Work with God and allow him to transform us into the people he wants us to be. It's time for us, all of us, to become the butterfly. Let's pray. Dear Father, again, we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus and for your word. For the work that you're doing here this morning in our hearts. And Father, I ask that you would please just continue to work on us uh, today and this week. As we give ourselves to you and allow you to continue to work in our hearts and our lives. Transform us, Father. Metamorphize us into the people that you want us to be. Lord, we give ourselves to that process throughout our life. Desiring to be the person that you want us to be. Desiring to be a person that brings you honor and glory with everything that we do, with who we are. Father, bless us as we go our separate ways this morning. May this all be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless, guys. Have a wonderful day.